What is going on, guys? Welcome back to another Serious Angler podcast. Today, you guys are stuck with me. Yeah, today we're going to be by myself. Um, basically, what I'm going to be doing is I'm trying to implement some Q&As uh, with your host. Um, doing these every now and then. Maybe we'll do them like once a month. Uh, we'll mix this in where people can shoot out questions to me, uh, topics to talk about, um, different things along the lines of that, where either myself or I can get Andrew on here, my co-host, to talk about different topics, maybe techniques, uh, different things like that. Basically, what I've been doing is I'll put out on my Instagram or my Facebook story where I'll give an option to ask questions. Uh, feel free at any point in time to reach out to me on social media or even in the YouTube comment section to ask to go over certain topics, techniques, tips, uh, gear, whatever it may be, any questions you might have that you'd want to hear covered, uh, please feel free to reach out over social media um, or, like I said, in the YouTube comments section. Um, like I said, you guys are stuck with me today. Uh, we're going to go over a bunch of different things, but uh, there's a couple things I want to cover before we get into um, the beef of today's podcast. So uh, one thing I want to mention for people who are watching, uh, excuse me, that are listening on podcast applications, if you guys have an option to review or uh, rate the podcast, uh, even if it's even if you hate the podcast and it's a one star, uh, I, I would appreciate going in and giving us a review, giving us a rating. Um, obviously, be honest. I mean, if, it's, if it sucks, let me know so I can actually make it better. But um, and any rating or review is appreciated uh, because it lets me know what I can work on, but it also helps the podcast grow. It gets more, it grows in popularity, which means that the podcast grows and is more accessible to people. It shows up in their Discover pages, depending on what app you're using. Um, and what that does is it gives the people who I have on the show, my guests, more exposure to more people as that show grows. So. I uh, would really appreciate it. No, do not do it for me. Do it for the guests that come on here. Uh, if you could, like, especially Apple Podcasts, if you can just scroll down, you click on the Serious Angler Podcast, you scroll all the way down, you can give it, you know, one star all the way to five stars. You can leave a little message and a review. Any sort of review is appreciated. Uh, I would really, really appreciate if you guys could do that. That would be awesome. But today, uh, we're going to go over a few things. Um, like I said, there's a Q&A today, um, but before we get into that, uh, I'm going to put my share screen up here for you guys. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, or I take that back, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, you're already seeing this, but if you are listening to this on a podcast format, um, I encourage you to check out the YouTube podcast. I encourage you to do that because mainly what I've been implementing is a share screen on this new streaming service that I've been using. Uh, where I can actually show you different things that I'm talking about. So on, on a podcast app, if you're listening to me on Spotify or something like that, you're listening to, you're listening to the podcast on Spotify, you know, you, you can't exactly see what my host uh, or my guests and I are talking about. But if you are listening from YouTube, I now have this streaming service where I can put up a share screen. We can actually show you different things that we're talking about. So it's kind of pretty cool. Just check it out. Give it a glance. Um, but I want to go over a few things for you guys, put my share screen here. Um, if you're not following, following the podcast on social media, uh, you can go over to Instagram or Facebook, uh, serious angler. 
Um, give us a follow. You can always reach out with any questions, comments, concerns, whatever it may be. Please feel free. Uh, the more messages are welcomed. I would love to chat with you guys. Um, with that being said, also, if you're, if you're listening to the podcast app, head over to the YouTube channel. Um, there's not only podcasts, but I do upload fishing videos. Um, fishing videos intended to hopefully teach you guys, um, not with the intent of me coming off as some expert, but me learning along the way and hopefully you guys learning with me. So you can go over to the Eyebrow Outdoors YouTube channel. Check that out. There's a link down below. Um, also, if you guys would like to get your hands on some serious angler merchandise, head over to my YouTube. So excuse me, not my YouTube. You could get it in the description of YouTube videos. But uh, head over to the so, uh, serious angler social media. You can click the link right there. As such, you guys can see if you're watching YouTube, you see what I'm doing here. You can click on Serious Angler Apparel, and it'll take you to a squad locker site where there is a bunch of selections of T-shirts, long sleeves, uh, hoodies, hats, anything from your cottons to your performance, your Under Armors, everything amongst uh, amongst that. And there's also face masks and buffs and uh, a bunch of different things. I'm going to be editing this list soon to try to add more to it to give you guys more options as well. Um, as, um, I noticed as they're going through this, I'm actually lacking um, in some child sizes and women's. I believe you can actually order in those sizes, but I'm going to try to expand my lineup for the apparel there. Um, in addition to that, guys, before, like I said, before we get into this, I want to get through this stuff to, um, obviously, for people who might not know that would be interested in it, I want to cover this quick. So uh, if you need to skip through, by all means, feel free. Um, but a huge shout out to Douglas Outdoors for sponsoring this podcast. Uh, if you guys have not checked out Douglas yet, head over to www.douglasoutdoors.com. Uh, learn all about Douglas Rods. We have award-winning fly rods. What's one thing I've never really mentioned in the podcast is Douglas started out as a fly company, um, and they are award-winning fly rods. They've done incredible. Um, they beat out, and it's it's a very hard market in the fly the fly industry because they're very picky. Um, not that the bass and conventional guys aren't, but kind of get my gist there but you can head over there you can check out a bunch of different x matrix and lrs rods and then obviously see what dealers near you or uh, online sites are available for your order uh, i'm pretty excited to be working with them to hopefully expand the lineup of shops around the country and uh get douglas in every store near you so that's going to be a pretty awesome journey and i'm pretty excited for that so get yourself on a douglas you really will not regret it just put one in your hands and you will see the difference with that being said, also, you can head over to queentackle.com if you're in the market for quality premium, quality and premium tungsten jigs, tungsten weights, and innovative tackle. And what I mean by innovative tackle, if you're looking on the YouTube right here, you see is what I'm hovering over. This is called a switchblade, okay? You click on a switchblade. These are the blades of a chatterbait that you can add to any sort of jig head, any jig head, and it would be automatically becomes a chatterbait. So that's what I think is awesome about it. It's very innovative. You can get very creative, and it can be very, very successful in finding patterns and baits that no one else has thrown. So that's what I love about it. And if you guys, what's even what's even better for you is when you go to buy these at checkout, you can use the code SERIOUSANGLER20. I'll put this right up here on, this, on the screen for you guys. SERIOUSANGLER20 at checkout so you can save yourself 20% off. Uh, so you're saving yourself some money. So I would appreciate if you guys went and checked out Queen Tackle as well. But without further ado, we're going to get into today's podcast. Um, 
I want to try to catch up you guys, uh, catch you guys up on what's been going on in my life. Uh, I understand some people have been asking questions. So, uh, in recent, I have fished two BFLs this past weekend. Uh, day one, uh, I only brought in three fish. My boater brought in zero. I brought in three fish for a little over eight pounds. I caught two, three and a halfs at least, uh, and then one squeaker. So did not fill a limit. If I, did, if I had at least two one-pounders, I would have cast a check. But it is what it is. It's tournament fishing. It's my first time ever as a co-angler for a BFL. And then day two, pretty much the same exact story. Um, a little bit more frustrating, but those details I will leave out. Uh, but brought in three fish for 614, so almost seven pounds. Uh, had one nice fish, had almost a four-pounder, and then uh, caught like a two and then a squeaker. So not the the turnout that I would have liked, but I did not join as a co-angler to go after money or a win. Um, and feel free to argue with me on this, but my personal belief is, you know, when you're going into a tournament, whether it be a BFL, a Toyota series, or a an open, and obviously the Toyota series, that's, I would and the open, the Bassmaster opens are on a different level, I would say, than say a BFL or maybe a Fed, uh, a Bass Nation Fed series. Um, I would say those are on a different level because they're on a bigger stage and you're putting a lot more money into it. Um, so I'd say at that point, you're going to, the chances of you pairing up with a boater who has more idea of what the heck they're doing, the chances are higher. So I'd say if you are as a co-angler with the means of you are trying to go after a tournament win and be successful um, and obviously make a little bit of money, I would say the Opens and the Toyota Series is your best bet. But if you're joining something like a Fed or a BFL with the intent to uh, go after a win and make a lot of money, you're doing it for the wrong reason. Now, that's always in the picture. That's always a goal, but that should not be your main goal. The main goal should be in the hopes that you can pair up with somebody who you can learn from, experience that that tournament scene, the atmosphere, the environment, learn a few things about fishing behind somebody, and also hopefully find a boater who is cooperative and also knows what the heck they're doing so they can teach you a few things. Excuse me. A, a boater can teach you a lot. And I, sh I shouldn't fail to recognize that even if you get a boater who, for lack of better terms, doesn't know what the heck they're doing, Okay, they might maybe be lost. You can still learn from that. And what I mean that you can kind of learn what not to do. You can learn the little things of um, not purposely going out there to beat your boater, but to outperform your boater, if that makes any sense. But if you guys disagree with me, let me know if you if you disagree with that viewpoint. But I don't think if you're joining a tournament as a co-angler, if you're joining it to win, I think you're doing it for the wrong reason. Um, and obviously there are exceptions to that, but, and I, I would say the exception to that is Chad Smith, who I've had on the podcast. He is, uh, he's one that went into, uh, these events as a co-angler, the bigger events, the opens, and obviously did very well as a co-angler, uh, now as a performing as, or competing as a boater, but that's been going, uh, it's going decent. Fishing's been going good. Um, I have a tournament this weekend coming up uh, with my buddy Jeff Hippert, who is a good friend, and I was introduced to by Andrew Full, the co-host of the show. Um, and we got some things coming up. by BFL on St. Lawrence River got canceled, uh, but we are still headed up there, headed up with my buddy Liam Blake. Uh, he is my link for the BFLs, and we are going to fish the Fed tournament that Sunday. Knock on wood that that 
still happens. So that being said, I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, I do have a couple more tournaments coming up um, that I can discuss when that time comes, but it's a ways away now and doesn't really, it's not really in the picture just yet. Um, but what we're going to get into now, we're going to talk, we're going to get into these little questions here that I've been asked um, by you guys on social media. So I will go into them here in a second. Let me pull it up on my phone. Not going to be a crazy long podcast for you guys today, but I think it, w- it is going to be one that could be insightful. So let's see here. One of the first questions that actually popped out to me, and I thought it was actually a cool question um, because it was kind of outside of the box, and it's also one that is kind of popular, but also in the same in the same aspect, I don't know. It's a tough question. Um, and basically I was asked, where do you see yourself in 10 years? And to me, that's a that's a pretty difficult question. It's a difficult question to just about anybody. Um, but I guess for me, to put that answer into terms, no matter what I'm doing, I, I want to be in a position where I'm able to support my family, number one, uh, to be able to live comfortably. And when I say comfortably, I don't mean living lavish. I don't mean having a crazy, crazy nice home and all these fancy toys. Uh, I would like to have a nice boat and a truck. I will say that. Uh, I would like to have my family have a comfortable home and have the means to afford our lifestyle. And that's what I mean by comfortable. To be able to afford to pay the expenses, uh, not be stressed out about things like that, and to be able to, obviously, like I said, live comfortable within our means. So I think that was a goal, but I want to be working in the fishing industry. I know that I want to be able to go out and continue to fish, continue to learn, continue to do these podcasts. I hope in 10 years that I'm still doing this podcast. I really do. I hope uh, I'm still uploading YouTube videos. If YouTube is still a thing in 10 years, which I, at this point, I really doubt that it won't be because YouTube is taking over. Um, so I guess that's where I would see myself. Or I hope to see myself in 10 years, uh, settle down, living comfortably and doing the things that I love with the ones I love. I think that's the best way to put it. So that said, we're going to move on to our next questions here. Let's see, I did add, have some questions from people and this is, uh, we got a quite a few questions here. Um, basically going into techniques, like specific technique questions. So someone asked about using different baits, when to use spinner baits versus crank baits versus jigs. So that's, it's an interesting question and you can kind of go into, into that in a bunch of different ways. So there's the, the main concept with, so spinner baits and crank baits are moving baits. And then you have jigs, which besides a swim jig is not going to be a bait that you is considered a moving bait, like a football jig, a finesse jig, um, a flipping jig, stuff like that. It's more going to be a something that you're going to be working slow and it's going to be on the bottom. So I will start with that saying if it's if you have wind on your side and you have active fish, go to a spinnerbait or a crankbait. Um, if you know that there's a central area where there are fish, you have rock, it's a little bit, I say 
in my mind, if you got 15 mile an hour winds, I'd be picking up a spinnerbait or a crankbait. I wouldn't be picking up a jig unless it was a swim jig. Um, in that terms of, you know, I don't want to be throwing a football jig in the wind because it's very hard to feel a bite unless you're throwing a very heavy jig. Uh, the more wind, the heavier you got to beef it up, and then it, it just becomes difficult. Um, so windy situations when I be throwing those moving baits, non-windy is when I be throwing a jig. Now, obviously, there's certain exceptions to that, but so I'm, I'll start with you know a spinnerbait versus a crankbait. So there's a short window for me, and there's this is only personal. This is this is what I do. This is my brain speaking. This is not saying what you should do. Uh, what is the main thing? There might be something that works a lot better than what I'm doing right now, but this is I'm just telling you from my experience. I'm very. There's very certain windows for me to throw a spinnerbait. I don't like to throw a spinnerbait much. When I throw a spinnerbait is when I know that bait fish are going to be grouped up and they're going to be grouped up up shallow. Now, you can go after schooling fish out deeper, ones that are suspended with a heavy spinnerbait, like a three-quarter ounce. Uh, you could go after those with a spinnerbait. But what I like to do with a spinnerbait is that springtime when they're pushing bait up shallow, they're chasing bait. I, you know, especially times when I'm going along a lake in the pre-spawn, when they're moving up to spawn, which really worked out for me this year. I had a couple 25-pound bags doing this with a spinnerbait. Where I've seen bait flicker where you can see where the, they're chasing that bait up shallow as they're moving up feeding, and then they're about to spawn. That's when I'll throw a spinnerbait around shallow, uh, shallow grass, structure, flats. Uh, when I see this bait busting, I was still throwing around that, and that's when it gets you a lot of bites. Um, so shallow structure, flats, grass, different things along the lines. You can even throw it at docks um, over deep rock piles if you really wanted to. Excuse me, I keep yawning. Um, but for me, for crankbaits, that's going to be something, you know, essentially you could use along the same lines. Um, I don't, unless it's like throwing a trap, I don't like to throw a crankbait over or in grass. You can actually throw like a deep crank or square bill over the top of grass, like tick the grass. That you know, then popping it out that triggers a reaction bite. Um, but I, I have a crankbait in my hands a lot more than I do a spinnerbait, and it, it, it's it's tough just to say crankbait because crankbait could help me in a whole bunch of stuff. You can mean a deep diver, medium diver, uh, a lipless, a flat side, a square bill, a jerk bait. Um, it's 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 interesting. I don't actually really know if a jerk bait falls into a crankbait or if it's a stick bait. Nah, it's all labeling at that point, but you guys kind of get my point there. Um, the times when I use like essentially when I use a square bill, um, it's a very early season. Um, I don't have a lot of experience in the fall, so I will say with early season. Excuse me, I cannot stop you on it. When there's not much grass or grass at all. And those that rock is exposed, the sand is exposed, um, that structure does not have grass on it is when I'm really going to be having a crankbait in my in my hands heavily. Um, throw in a square bill, uh, throw in a flat side real early when the temperatures are colder. Um, throwing a trap, which I did. If you pay attention to my YouTube channel, you knew I threw a trap a lot this spring. Um, not even burning it, but more letting it fall to the bottom and, and just using it almost essentially as a deep diver, digging into that rock. Um, and that caught me a lot of fish, a lot of big fish. So, uh, 
there's a lot of different times where you can use stuff like that. Uh, deep divers, uh, that's something, you know, you can throw over grass. Like I said, you can take that grass and rip it out. Um, you can throw traps, rip it through grass. Um, trying to just go over different basic stuff that um, you can kind of use these, these crankbaits for. But, you know, taking, you know, when you have rock piles, I'll go back to that. You know, I, I mentioned how you use like a square bill or a trap. Um, well, if you have rock piles, say out in, you know, 10 to 12 foot, you can take a, a deep diver of say a 12 to 14 foot deep diver, bomb it past that rock pile, give it time to come down. You know, you're, you're bringing that crankbait down. That bill is going to dig into the rocks over that rock pile. That's when you probably want to throw like a medium to a deep diving crankbait uh, over that rock pile, over even like a sand flat, over a, even if it's like a soft hump where it's just sand or hard bottom, uh, just over a hump a rise where those fish are going to be sitting up on. That's where a crankbait can be very useful. Um, now, I'm not very experienced in it, but you can throw these big plugs, is what I call them down south, uh, on these ledges um, and different humps down there where the fish sit up. Like, and it's mainly just hard bottom. Um, and that's something I'm not very experienced with down there. It's very, it's a very southern technique. Um, but that is very effective as well. Now, jigs. Um, for me, the spring, a football jig was a huge player. Throwing at those same rock piles. Basically, my one-two punch this year was a, a trap and a football jig. Where I would try to catch the majority of my fish on a, on a trap. When that bite slowed, I'd follow up with a football jig. Dragging it over that rock. Dragging along that rock to sand transition lines. Uh, dragging over those to hard bottoms with humps. Uh, different things along the lines of that. I really wouldn't beat a bank with a football jig. For me, I want to find a central location where I can sit off of it and cast and make a specific cast with a football jig. Uh, that's where I think it's most effective. Um, if I'm going along the bank, I'm probably going to take a flipping jig and I'm probably going to aim at structure. I'm going to target. I'm actually going to break down. Um, and that's where I think a flipping jig comes into, into play. Um, a flipping jig also comes into play when you can go do docks or you can go out and uh, flip grass, holes in the grass. Um, some people even take, you know, ounce to an ounce and a half jigs and punch grass with it. I've never done that before, but that sounds like a lot of fun. Um, jigs are very versatile. And then swim jigs, I was, essentially swim jigs, I'm going to throw about the same time in the same places I'm going to throw a spinnerbait. Now, again, let me. I want to reinforce that this is what I do, and this is what I do right now, this could change in the next couple of weeks, you know, who knows. Um, so this is just something that you can, if you've never heard of before, excuse me, that you can kind of implement into your skill set. Um, I'm sure many of you guys know this already. Um, for those who don't, this, this, is, this section is for you. Um, let's see, what's the other next question here? If you just got on the water first thing in the morning, what would you start out trying, and then what would you switch to? So that, that question is really going to change dependent on time of year. Excuse me, I'm going to take a sip of water. So that question, I guess I'll break up into, I'll break up into spring, I'll break up into spawn, and then I will break it up to post-spawn and then summer. I'm going to leave out the fall for the main reason that I have very little experience fishing in the fall. 
do just, I mean, this is going to be my first year where I can really heavily fish the fall because I usually, I'm in college and school. And if I'm not there, I'm taking my time to be in the woods. So I guess we'll break it down like that. So pre-spawn for me, once we get ice out, basically a lot of my time I'm spending is when that water is really cold, I'm that psycho that goes out in the kayak and uh, puts in the time on the graph while the fishing is very, very, very tough and slow. Uh, getting on the graph, finding stuff when that water warms up a few degrees, those spots are probably the ones that produce. And I'm also looking for, for fish at that same point in time. But when that water gets to, you know, 38 degrees, when those fish can get a little bit more active, um, basically what I'm going to do is I'm really not going to go out early in the morning. Um, so first thing in the morning, uh, that early, early season, I'm going to go out and essentially I'm only really going to bring a couple things with me. Uh, biggest thing for me that a biggest player that I have confidence is a blade bait. Um, and then a small, small swim bait, like a 2.75 or a 3.3 to 3.2, 3.3 inch, uh, swim bait on like an eighth and eighth ounce ball head. Uh, obviously you can up the size dependent on how deep you're going. Um, and then really until it gets above 40 is when I'll have a jerk bait in my hands too. Uh, a suspending jerk bait. And that's very important. A suspending jerk bait. Um, because if it rises, it, it, it just doesn't seem to trigger the same amount of bites as a floating jerk bait does. Um, so basically what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to go run those structures. Uh, basically I'm going to be looking for rock. I could be looking for, um, there's even some patches of grass that you can find that'll hold fish. Um, but primarily I'm looking for rock, especially up here in the north, because that's where you're predominantly going to find fish. Um, that's where they're going to, they're going to sit up on because, you know, you can have those days in the spring where the temps, excuse me, could get to 50 to 60 degrees, the air temps, but the water still be, um, you know, low, low 40s or high 30s. And that rock is going to be the first thing to warm up from that sun. Those fish are going to sit up on that. So that's the first thing I look for. And basically that doesn't really change much throughout the day. I'm going to stay on that for pretty much the whole time. I'm going to run different spots. Now, when that water gets into 45 degrees, say close to 50 degrees, that's, you know, first thing I'm going out and I'm just throwing moving baits. Uh, basically what I did uh, this spring, I went out and I threw a trap, threw a spinner bait, um, threw a flat side, threw a square bill, deep diver, uh, basically whatever depth on that rock piles that I know produce fish on, that's what I'm going out. That's what I'm starting with. And if the bite's there, majority of the time, you could stay on that moving bait bite almost all day long. But if not, what I'm switching to would be a football jig, a Ned rig, a drop shot, a, a small swim bait. Um, what else? You could throw a Nico rig. You could throw a shaky head if you wanted to. You could, I'm trying to think of other tactics that you could implement. You could just throw a, a Texas rig. Um, there's a bunch of different stuff that you could throw there. But essentially that's what I'm going to do there. Now, as that water gets above 50, now into 55, getting closer to 60, those fish are going to make a very hard, they are going to be uh, already, you'll find fish up shallow, but they're going to make a hard push towards shallow because they're going to get ready to spawn. Now, pretty much there, I might try to get on a top water bite. Uh, if it's above 50 degrees, you can probably get one on top water. Uh, maybe not a crazy bite, but once it gets close to 60 degrees, you can start getting them on top water. So what I'll do is I'll probably, I'll go up shallow, 
I'll have a spinnerbait for one. I love a spinnerbait when they're getting ready to spawn because they're pushing that bait up. As they come up, they're pushing that bait up with them. Uh, spinnerbait, um, a popper, uh, or maybe walk a spook very slow. A buzzbait can actually get bit, uh, uh, pretty good too. Um, and basically, I'm just going to work at these banks, these structures, these flats where these fish are going to move up on. Um, and then kind of pick apart structure as the day goes on with jigs, um, seeing what fish are there, and then just kind of going along and finding effective areas. Now, in the spawn, what I'm going to be doing is finding areas where fish will get up on, they will spawn on uh, spawning flats, or and that kind of differs with smallmouth versus largemouth. If it's smallmouth, you're going to find flats. Um, pretty much shallow flats, expansive long, expansive flats with deep water access so those smallmouth can get up on and get on bed. And basically with that, I'm going to go out and I'm going to throw a jerk bait, I'm going to throw a swim bait, I'm going to throw a drop shot, a Ned rig. Uh, you could throw a jig. Excuse me, there's so many different baits you can throw. And then as the day goes on, the sun comes up, you can obviously sight fish these, go around, pick them apart. All you really need is a, a Ned rig. You don't need anything crazy um, because they're stupid on bed. They'll bite whatever the heck you throw at them. Um, but for largemouth, uh, they'll get up on grass flats and they will spawn in these the holes in the grass. They will spawn in cattails. They'll spawn in um, a few different little areas, especially if there's a lot of structure. That's what basically these largemouth will spawn on is, as long as there's structure. Um, now that will get up on grass flats, like I mentioned, but if you find, uh, logs, down logs, if you find docks, um, if you find, um, I haven't found a lot of large mouth spawning on rock piles, which is interesting. That was only small mouth. Um, every now and then you'll find it, uh, some large mouth on taking over small mouth beds. I think it's super interesting. Um. Essentially, yeah, I'm going to go through more, uh, moving baits in the morning, and as the sun comes up, I'm very visual. I'm not really casting much until I see one uh, or I see structure, and I think there could be a fish on it. Now, the post-spawn, uh, that's when things kind of get slow. I'm slowing down, um, but I'm starting the morning with something fast. I'm throwing a jerk bait, and then my cadence is going to be erratic, or I'm throwing a swim bait, or I'm throwing, I can throw a trap throw a jig. Uh, but basically what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to go find the nearest points uh, and the nearest deep water access that these flats and where these fish are spawning on where they the first place that they move to. Um, and you're going to be you're going to find that a lot of fish are going to hang out there. Um, and then every, basically if you find any structure near there too, they're going to be on that. So that's what I'm going to go look for. Um, like I said, throwing those different baits but also sometimes slowing down as the day goes on. Now, summer is when things really kind of slow down until late summer. Obviously, things pick up, but that dead of summer is when I'm going to be throwing weightless plastics. I'm going to throw a drop shot. I'm going to be dead sticking a drop shot. I'm going to throw a power shot. I'm going to flip grass with a Texas rig, flip it with a jig. I'm going to go out real first thing in the morning. I'm going to throw top water. I'm going to be aggressive, throw a chatterbait while that sun's still low. You could throw a spinnerbait if you wanted to. Um, Although here up north, spinnerbait is like a pipe candy, pretty much. But um, essentially being aggressive in the morning as the sun comes up, 
there are rare days where you can get on fish on top water or, you know, really working a jerk bait and that sun comes up. Uh, but a lot of times you're slowing down. You're, the fish are getting sluggish. Oh, my God. Excuse me, guys. I'm sorry. But you're very you're, you're picking things apart more. So that's a bit, that's essentially what summer fishing boils down to. Uh, I hope that answers your question. Uh, like I said, I'm not going to answer the fall. Uh, fall basically, they're chasing bait as, as as far as I know, and it's essentially kind of like the pre-spawn, but a little bit different. But I don't have enough experience to fully expand on that confidently. Um, I'll get you guys after this fall once I've started getting some experience. But that kind of goes over that. Um, let's see what other questions we may have. Uh, what kayak do you use? Uh, the kayak that I run right now is a Wilderness uh, Systems Radar 135 with the Helix Pedal Drive System. Um, I do have videos on my YouTube channel. Um, actually, if you go here, if you're watching this, if you go down, if you just go to my YouTube channel, go to Popular Uploads or Playlists, I have a kayak review, and I also, the popular uploads, I do have how I rig up my, I give a review, and also how I set up my kayak, um, if you're interested in looking into that. So, that's pretty much the gist of that. That's going to do it for the questions for today. Only a few questions. I think I'm going to implement these a little bit more. If you guys like them, uh, let me know down in the comments, either on the YouTube side, um, if you're still watching, if you're still listening. Thank you if you are, for one. Um, but let me know if you guys want more of these, leave me some questions, leave me topics, techniques, um, any sort of questions you may have, leave them down here and I'll either, I'll do this Q and A or maybe I'll have Andy on, um, him and I will uh, debate these topics back and forth, whatever it may be. Uh, let me know. I'll be fully willing to hop on and start doing these a little bit more. So, um, like I said earlier, check out Douglas Outdoors and Queen Tackle. Uh, follow me on social media at Serious Angler, and obviously you can go to that link in the bio and get yourself some some apparel if you do so please. So thank you guys again for tuning in. I really do appreciate it. If you are still watching and or listening, I greatly, greatly, greatly appreciate it. Uh, thank you for listening to a nut job talk for now thirty five minutes, um, and Monday. We are going to have our Monday Night Live. Hope to see you guys there. Head over to the Ibra Outdoors YouTube channel if you're not watching this from here already. Uh, Monday night, uh, most likely as it's scheduled right now, uh, we are going to have on my dude Brock. Um, and we're going to do it at 7.30 p.m. Eastern on YouTube. And uh, it should be a blast. It should be a fun time. Hope you guys tune in for it. Hope you guys come bring your questions. Have a blast. And I uh, hope to see you guys then. Thank you guys again for watching and for listening, and we will see you guys. Well, that was an awesome show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you can and your app allows it, please leave us a rating and review. It really helps us get seen more, which allows us to access more time and more variables to be able to bring to the show to make it better for you guys. So hope you enjoyed it. And if you did and you liked some of the things we talked about in this episode, and want to check out our show partners, all of that is in every single show description. You can click down there. It's got all of our discount codes, all of our links to our show partners, where you guys can go and support the people that support this show and help us make this show happen. And of course, this show does not happen without you guys. You guys know we appreciate you. 
You're the Seer Sanger fam. You're the reason we're here. Appreciate y'all, and we'll see y'all on the next one.